Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Confidence starts with loving who you are. And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's bestsellers, Undaria Algae Body Oil and Undaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com, code GLOW. Welcome to Do it again. Fucking <laughs> brilliant. <laughs> Never interrupt a man. <laughs> Welcome to the latest episode of 20 Minute Tims. I'm your host, Jamie. I'm joined, of course, by Stephen. What is happening? And Melly. Yes. Who is the greatest striker since Henrik Larsson? That is the question that's been on Celtic fans' lips for years and years and years. And luckily, we answer it on our latest exclusive Patreon video. You can get that, as well as plenty of other exclusive content like podcasts and writing and other videos at patreon.com slash 20 minute Tim's. Stephen, Melly, the transfer window is upon us. And yeah. for the first time in years, we are not frantically scrabbling about waiting for someone to come in to fill a position that we desperately need filled in before the window slams shut in 24 hours. We're not like waiting for the old Lawwellism law that goes something along the lines of no more business to, to be conducted outside. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we were all furious about it <laughs> because unusually um, Celtic have done not bad this transfer window. Yeah, not, not only that is that a lot of the players who have come in in fact, all of the players who have come in this window have actually played as well yep. already. So we've gone are the days where we're waiting months and months and months for these players to arrive after Project they go. Ah, uh, yeah, after they go through the the, the crushingly inevitable, <laughs> disappointing. He's just a project phase where he disappears. He goes on alone to Stirling Albion or something, like that, and mm. then is never seen again. That doesn't happen anymore. We we get these guys and they're almost literally straight off the plane, straight into a strip and taking part in in Celtic <laughs> games. And yep. it's. Do you know what? It's something we'll maybe get into as well as we, we talk about the shape of the squad as the window is literally about to slam shut. Take your hands away from the sill. <laughs> yes. It is about to slam shut. But it's things like O being thrown straight into the team and mm. straight into you know, action straight away is making me look very differently on some members of the Celtic squad. It's not through no fault of mm. their own. They haven't done anything. Well, that, that's kind of the point. But 
anyone who isn't contributing currently to the Celtic squad, it's not because they're being given time to settle in and all that. That doesn't happen. We are signing players and putting them straight into the, the Celtic first team. So I it, it paints some players in a slightly different light. There's a it paints one particular member of the backroom team or the back the boardroom team, sorry, Melly, in a particular light for me because historically we were always told January is a difficult time to do business. <laughs> we've ever since we've been doing this podcast under many many managers, January is typically a difficult time of year to do business. The last two January transfer windows under John Ange Postecoglou have blown that myth out of the water. Yeah, it seems like since Ange's come in, every myth's been blown out of the water that Peter Law told us all those years, and we knew it was crap, but we we had to take it. And again, brought in players early, bought them in before the deadline was even allowed to bring players mm. in uh, and we've seen it again that oh, this ah, we need to get a player out before we can bring player in nonsense doesn't exist the getting players in in January is the most important window because we've got the Champions League qualifiers yet we didn't bring any in or we'd bring them in for six month loans so it's brilliant to see it's how a football days oh, yeah. I, know. I, know. I, I kind of miss it now <laughs> I don't I don't but it's good to see because this is the way a big football club operates and Celtic are finally doing that. They are finally doing things the right way. We sat here a couple of weeks ago with rumours that Jack and Marcus was away. I'm like, oh, what happens if Kyogo gets injured in a game and then Jack and Marcus away, we've only got one striker. So far it turns out that O's come in and Jack and Marcus hasn't even been confirmed yet. As we sit here, it might be by the time we finish. So look, it's great the way Celtic are doing business and for the first time in a long time, the only scrambling Celtic are possibly going to do in deadline day is to get some of the deadwood out. The deadwood's harsh, but mm. guys that aren't going to be playing football, just get them out the squad and tidy it up a bit because the squad is looking mighty fine. The squad is looking mighty fine, okay, but let me just ask you the question. Are we stronger if all things remain the same and Yakimakis leaves, as you say, more or less getting confirmed today, it's just not officially yeah, happened yeah. when we sit down and record this. But are we weaker or stronger than we went in the window? Because there's... Still some proving to do with Alistair Johnson. I think what we've seen from Alistair Johnson is he's a competent fullback, but I don't think what I've seen from him so far, I can sit here and confidently say, Stephen, he's better than Juranovic. No, it's too early for that. It's Far too early for that. Yeah. And there's some ground to make up with O. He's um, not played a lot of football recently. He did pre-season, obviously. He's going to have a bed and then period, all that sort of stuff. The same things that happen. So you're looking to go and, well, okay, we're happy we've done the business, but that, that um, cliche, are we stronger going into the window, leaving the window than we are going into it? Technically, I, I'm not sure we are. Uh, that it really depends. I think it's far too early to make judgments on that. I'm mm. happy with the business that's been done. Uh, I could be doing, if I'm being picky, I could be doing with tidying it up a little bit and getting rid of a few more as well. Because mm. I find that you know, there's all these suggestions that these players are going to go out on loan, but I find loans to be just sort of anxiety inducing I, I find like <laughs> us having players out on loan for you or for, the I, for me right, for, yeah. for, for, see just having still having guys like Sorrow and Scales and a Yeti and all that still on the books of the club I find it to be like putting them out on loan is like having a big pile of admin sitting in your mm. desk and you're procrastinating you just can't look at it just now you're going to need to deal with it at some point but you're just kind of Shoving it over to further over to the desk, so I could be doing with getting rid of some in. Some out rather. There must be. I mean, there is a lot of players in the team just now. The yeah. squad is a bit bloated. It's a bit Morelos at the moment, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> first team training. There must be like That's more. Me. There must be more players at the moment participating in first team training for Celtic than 
most managers have had, I think. Aye, when you think probably, about the sheer yeah. numbers of bodies that are all considered first team players, you know. Ah, well, you only need to look at the strength of the bench on yeah. the on the weekend there on Sunday to to look at how many good players we've got in that squad, and there are several that can't get anywhere near that as well. We've only got space for nine subs, and some perfectly fit players aren't getting anywhere near it. So mm. you know, the sacrifices have to be made there. It's a it's kind of spread thin over certain areas as well because yeah. a bit like Morelos, we have got the flabby middle. <laughs> You know, in the midfield, is you can't choose. You, you can't choose yeah. where the where the fat sort of accumulates there. Mm. Yeah, but I suppose, I suppose the benefit of not being a tubby tubby goal getter <laughs> yeah. and being a, a professional football squad is that you can choose where the where the yeah. flap goes. <laughs> you can target. You can do loss. anything about this. <laughs> we can work on stubborn areas mm. uh, that that Morello simply can't. Uh, but <laughs> we're talking about. <laughs> We, we, we are getting slightly thin in some areas. I look at the squad on Sunday against Indy United and we look a little bit light on fullbacks now. Mm, no Burnaby. Yeah, Burnaby wasn't in the squad. And whether it was a slip from Ange that he, he only mentioned Ralston as being mm. unfit. Don't think Ange slips. For, for, no, no, very, very rarely. Um, so I, 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 Do you think it, there's more to it? You think, you think, do you think at this stage... We should maybe have no concern. I mean, everything's relative, right? We're not sitting here panicking about the squad, but should we have concern about the fullback area? Because an injury, Greg Taylor, say Greg Taylor gets wiped out and he's out for the rest of the season. I mean, you're left really with only Burnaby, uh, who can play left back. Hey, for the phone Lenny, Callum McGregor left back. <laughs> well, you could get Callum McGregor has. You could take tips, but would that concern you, Melly, if we were struggling in the fullback areas as we pointed out? Do you think Ange doesn't have a lot of trust in Burnaby? Uh, Do right. you have trust in Burnaby? Uh, no, I don't. But again, uh, like I said, I think uh, looking back, I didn't have much trust in Greg Taylor and he turned out to be a good player. Mm. So Celtic are in a position where all they've got is domestic honours right now. So to go out, spend what, three and a half million, whatever it was on Burnaby in the summer and then write them off six months into it with an adaption period would be a bit harsh bringing somebody in. I think mm. we, we won't giving them to the end of the season, at least maybe into next season. The only thing is if Greg Taylor does get injured, that's why Juranovic was so good to have because he could play either side. But um, Mikey, Alistair Johnson uh, might be able to slot over there and with Tony Ralston back, it does give us that option. So I think we'll be okay. Greg Taylor doesn't get injured a lot. And when he came back in the weekend, it just felt like I feel a bit more comfortable now he's there. It just seems like he's a guy that should be in the team. So yes, we're a bit light on it, but how far do you take that? Because... Ange brought this guy in so he obviously seen something in him and then we're six months down the line ah, maybe we should just get somebody in in case these guys need to I think, play well, I football think, to but, prove themselves don't they but you're right but I think part of the problem is we wouldn't even be having this conversation if he was picked to sit on the bench last week but from what we can see is he's fit able to play but what we did was we went into a game with no defensive fullback cover which raises the questions does Ange think he's getting an issue here is he doing the old sending a message to the board I mean, he did say he was pressed on whether or not that was all the business that was going to be done. And he says, look, I, I don't know. I could say no and everyone would be bored. But if any opportunities come up, we might take them. So we never know. There might be conversations going in the background. I, I really want another fullback. Because I don't think Ange is the sort of manager that does half measures, doesn't he? He's no, no going to take half measures from his players. And I doubt he'd take half measures from the board. I think if he went and says, look, you need to get me a fullback here because that boy Burnaby might be six months away from starting my team. He's not good enough to start week in, week out and we can't rely on him. You need to get him another fullback. I think he would want it done. Probably, but being playing Dick Advocate here, can <laughs> the board not turn around and say to him, Look, we spent three and a half million on a, a fullback for you that you wanted? We had 
Josh Doig in Scotland, who you could have got as well and has went on to play very well in Italy. So mm. we got you the guy you wanted and now you're running around here. So like Celtic should be in the position where they can do that. But Greg Taylor's a good player. I think still think Burnaby can be a good player. Going out and getting somebody else in could further dent his confidence. So it's it's all ifs and buts because if Greg Taylor gets injured, but if he doesn't, and then we've got two left backs on the book that don't play, mm. we've got what six midfielders, you'd say, the guys that started at the weekend and the guys that were on the bench, and then you've still got Idiguchi, McCarthy, Abelgard. These are all Ange signings as well. So he's brought this is Ange's team, there's no mm. denying that now. He's brought in a whole raft of players. So I think we are strong enough right now to get to the end of the season and get influential, the influential Celtic podcaster mm. suggests rift in back in, in <laughs> boardroom. High Law's back. Burst up over fullback mm. cover between the board and Ange Postagoglu. Cracked crest. What's Lacks out up to? That's, that's what I wanted. What's John Joe Kenny doing at the moment? I'd say his name. <laughs> we haven't having spent the last couple of weeks um, talking up the, the virtue of not running around looking for lone fullbacks and all that and I think to quote the podcast I think it might have been you or me but I think it might have been your exact words not one week ago was I mean usually when we're in this position we're scrambling about seeing what fullback we can uh, get on loan one week later and no sign of Burnaby and we're, and we're about to say the mortal words maybe we could scramble about and uh, see. it's yeah. just you never want to be scrambling about but you mm. kind of feel left out when you're not yeah, scrambling yeah, about don't you because look we don't need a fullback and then again you look at it like Come on, the B team must be doing something. There's Matthew Anderson, who's a ca- uh, the captain of the B team. He's a good prospect. I think he's in just now, good left back. So there are players there, and yet we're still. Why do we just go out and get a wee loan, <laughs> loan sign in? Because a week ago we're like, right, we need we need a striker, and then we should be all right. And now that we've got a striker, like, ah, oh, come on, how are you? That's, that's another thing that Millie's touched on, not to derail the point that you're originally going to make, but I think it's something I don't want to drift too far away from. With all this transfer activity and all these players we've getting in the bloated squad, particularly in midfield. Are there concerns maybe that we're not given a pathway to our best young players into the first team? Now, mm. it's easy to say none of them are good enough. That's why we're out signing them. But that can't that can't be the case of every single player in the B team. There must be some of them who we have our eye on that we think can make moves into the first team at some point. Yeah, and, and in this specific case as well, obviously you you only want to promote these players when you can and not out of necessity and not out of a rush, not out of you know, being desperate to, to fill a, a space in the, the first team squad. You want them to be there on merit. But in this specific case, all we are really asking for is a little bit of cover here. All we're lo- really looking for is a bit of a fail-safe in case Greg Taylor is injured. We fully expect Greg Taylor to play the majority mm. of the games for the rest of the season. But as far as I can see, there's no real cover for the position in the absence of Burnaby. Now, I, th- I suppose that we could be looking too much into it and Burnaby could be back in the squad for the Livingston game during the week we, we don't know here but with reading between the lines and we can only go on what Angie said he didn't mention Burnaby at all in no. the list of injured players which only extended to Tony Ralston so there, there seems to be a bit of a problem there so I would be happy either way with um, with the promotion of a B team player to first team action for you know just for the sake of covering that position or as, as my, again, we've joked about it, but the, the scrabbling around looking for a mm-hmm. loan. But I really wouldn't be against the, the loan of a, a young player. Just again, all we're looking for is a, a stopgap. The difference with this is we are 
often rolling our eyes and talking about it for years. Look, like we're talking about mm. the John Joe Kenny thing for, for years mm. afterwards, right? That's because... <laughs> As these, <Mellie> shivers. <laughs> <laughs> that's, be, that's because we are throwing these guys into the first team because we'll be absolutely nothing else. We've sold a, a player in that position and we need to go out and get a terrible loan to fill that. All <laughs> I'm looking for is, is a backup to Greg Taylor. I'm sure I read some galaxy brain level take. <laughs> right. Did someone not say, no offence, if this is you, because I genuinely can't remember if you're watching this podcast. But was there not a, a, someone doing the rounds, a blog or something, doing the rounds early on in Juranovic's career saying John Joe Kenny was just as good? Uh, I'm, I'm sure that was right. one. I'm sure that was one the wild takes that, that, <laughs> that, I, that I read online. Um, just on the, the sort of wider point about the, the pathways, do you think it is important? Do you think some, if you were a young player on the Celtic B team just now, you'd be looking going, God, Anytime this manager needs a player, he just goes out and buys one. They're never coming to us. Well, recently, one of the, the debut. Uh, I mentioned at the start of this one of those includes Boston Lowell yeah. who has been promoted from the Rocco B team Vata, Rocky Vata has well. had some had some first team minutes as well so really I don't think there's a problem in that regard promoting from that level but it's just the fact that you know we we do need a left back we need mm. left back cover and that might not be quite the right time for it as I, I speculated what you want is for that guy to prove his worth yeah. and then be promoted that way Lawal has been has come in even though there's four centre halves in front of him at the time Jens was in front of him as well and he's played some minutes but I, I don't know what the left back situation yeah. is just oh, now. I wasn't really meaning specifically left back left back because all over the pitch I mean when you're looking at that midfield we've got loads up I mean that is probably the most that central midfield area yeah, yeah. you're looking at I mean you're even looking at that melee going with the best will in the world right Idaguchi right still at the club about I don't know if you play a single game for something before he goes a single no, for no, ninety no. minutes he he's, he's probably yeah. going to go Abelgard probably going to go. Um, but you're just looking, I'm even looking at guys like Iwata, I'm going, how much game time can we really, I'm not writing the signing off, you know, by no matter means am I writing the signing off, and I heard Ange talk about him and he says, look, McCallum McGregor got injured, we put in Matt O'Reilly into that position, but it's not his natural position, and we kind of realise we don't have a natural fit for when he's injured, and another thing it offers us is a potential to look at a formation change, so this is maybe something that we're going to look at in the future, long term we, we might see Celtic play in a different way, but you just think, how much game time can we realistically offer half the guys in our midfield? I mean, even with Aaron Moy's form, it's very, very difficult to dislodge any of the current three guys. Yeah, it's going to be difficult, but that that's the challenge you set. And we've seen in the past that players who know they're going to play every week don't perform well. And especially with Celtic with so many games, Cal McGregor's a bit of an exception because he rarely misses a game. But then all of a sudden he gets injured and it's, oh, we don't have a natural player in there. Or we did. Abogard, but we never seen him because he wasn't good enough so uh, to have somebody of you're never going to get somebody as good as Cal McGregor but to have an able deputy is very important for Celtic and it pushes Cal McGregor on it pushes the other midfield on if there is talk of a midfield change or having two sitting players then they, there's going to be one guy ahead of them so there's three players there going who's going to get dropped is it going to be me mm -hmm. so it ups the game for everybody else and like, this is what we want we want two players for every position we cry out for it and Celtic seem to have that now pretty much all over the pitch and yet we're still looking at maybe we could improve somewhere that's what you want you want to be looking to improve on quality Celtic haven't had that for a long time and just when we think back to when we get onto the game later this time last year and for the whole season, every game you are really anxious about Celtic getting the victory because there was no margin for error at this point. Like this time last year, we had that win against Dundee United mm. where Abada scored in the last minute. Celtic were down to 10 men, didn't have MD that could come on to affect the game really. Uh, ben Dolt came on to try and change it. 
And now a year later, Celtic are flying, drop points in two games this season, have a really good squad, and you're going, this, how far we've come is because of the squad. The signings we made in January, the signings we made in the summer, and the signings now, Celtic are pushing on to be a really competent squad because there is no such thing as a first 11 anymore and Celtic could play 60 games a season if they are successful and with this squad I expect us to be. Hey everyone, I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash post. Three, two, one Happy New Year, Year from our friends at Manscaped. The ball has officially dropped, but that doesn't mean you have to drop the ball on your balls in 2023. <laughs> Whether you had a New Year's kiss or not, the leaders in the below-the-waist grooming have got you covered for your much-needed resolution of bringing sexy back. Join the 7 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with our exclusive offer. Go to manscaped.com and use code TIMS for 20% off and free shipping. Let's have a toast for a new year, a new you... With no pubes. It's a new year, new balls with the global leaders in below the waist grooming. This year, take your package to the next level with a performance package 4.0 and other premium wet goods. Inside the performance package 4.0, you'll find a signature lawnmower 4.0. The advanced skin safe technology reduces cuts and nicks on your delicate parts. It also comes equipped with a 4000k LED spotlight that will shine a light to the promised land 2023 looks to be. Cheers to new balls in 2023. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code TIMS at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code TIMS. Time to feel sexy and free this 2023 with Manscaped. Dundee United v Celtic, Stephen midweek. I think that was probably the strongest bench. The strongest bench. Apologies, by the way. I've got some. I've got a retainer in, so that, that's why I'm sounding like Sean Connery from time to time. Okay, I just have to face it, right? Um, that was the strongest bench I think I've seen in a Celtic team for a long, long time. Yeah, it was incredibly strong. Any number of options on there. It was really just a case of who was going to get on rather than... you know, Apart from Scott Bain, and I don't really know what's happened to Sigrist no. in the last few squads. Not that it really matters. It's just really a kind of placeholder. I don't suppose it matters too much who's you know, filling in as the, the subkeeper. But apart from Bain, it's all relatively new signings that are in there it's, it's a kind of it's mostly Ange players that, that mm. are in there as well Forrest and Turnbull who have been around for quite a long time anyway but it's a really really strong squad and full of attacking options it must be really difficult to play against the, these teams or, or for these teams rather because you look at how they lined up against Dundee United and the only wibble I would have had with the lineup is over Abada starting where we've got so many options we've got Haxabanovic mm. and Maida who didn't make it uh, into the starting lineup in this one and another day they will I understood that because Abada's record against Indian United is absolutely ridiculous <laughs> off the top of my head having not consulted the stats I can think of about six goals he scored against Dundee mm. United he only, only signed at the start He's of last season better, by the way. Abada yeah, mm, yeah. I, I, I've noticed that he was quiet in that game yeah. to be honest but he, I've noticed a, a marked improvement in some of his dribbling and some of his mm. decision making recently I'm really encouraged by that but um, it just goes to 
further strengthen the plenty of options we've got out there. But the bench, uh, the bench was absolutely tremendous. And it, again, it must be so demoralising to certainly we're in control of the game the whole time. Mm. But you, at a certain point, if you're only one nil down in a game against Celtic you think well we're still in this and then they bring on three subs and you look at the quality of the players that's coming on it must be absolutely infuriating really to play against Celtic it must be demoralising more than just when you see the team the lineup, and then you see the bench um, which a couple of managers have had a lot to say about I feel like this is going to be the next battleground the Celtic budget is the next battleground oh, getting, yeah. but I like it because it's only it's not even what it's 30th of January as we sit here and all the excuses are getting in already <laughs> they, you know, they know yeah. and all the excuse, they're getting the excuses in already that'll be the, the big excuse at the end of the season they can't compete with our budget tough shit <laughs> um, win more get paid more that's how it works but another demoral- demoralising aspect Melly of playing against Celtic is just the control we have over these games mm, yeah. yeah as I was saying last season you were always anxious oh, we need to win we need to mm. win and then the further along it goes you're like oh, come on but when I got to half time yesterday I was like right okay we're going to win Mm. Because Celtic were dominant in the game, created decent chances, and you just thought, right, it's going to come because we've got so many players that now can change a game. I felt just from the start, you got the feeling Jota's on one the day. He's on one. He had that wee lovely nutmeg out in the wing. He had a wee flick over as well. It just looked like he's really coming back into Jota mm. form. He's, I don't think he's been in terrible form. He's just not been on Jota form. Yeah. And and addressed it after the game. <laughs> he, I know, God's sake. He, he addressed it after the game and it was something we've spoken about, but he says he's not quite at peak fitness yet and that kind of explains it a wee bit, doesn't it? Yeah, I think so. That old sickness bug that was going through the mm. team and I think Stephen said you looked a bit uh, thin recently, but... Mm. When you see him these days, this is what we're after from Jota. He was absolutely brilliant. And it's not just the goals and the assists he brings that, but it's that trickery and being able to go to a game and say, I'm looking forward to watching him play because you can see Hitati, you know it's going to be a pass or something Mm. with Jota. It's that old school magic that he has that probably nobody else in the team has that. So it's just looking forward to that. I thought he was great and... Once again, Aaron Moy, just a, a midfield masterclass, just starting to think, right, okay, last season you didn't have to play March to get Player of the Year, so Aaron Moy's definitely I, in my shout with winning Player of the Year this season. I mean, it's a good shout for Player of the Year, but we definitely don't give him it, because he, he'll have <laughs> to do some sort of interview. <laughs> definitely stop giving him Man of the Match awards. Aaron, we do love you. Um, you need to turn the Instagram comments on, though. We're not going to back down from this, but man, the boy has no mic skills. No, no, absolutely not. And he must be, he must roll his eyes when he gets he the goes, match. When he gets the, he gets the what's Arnar? It's like he was in the room. Yeah. That's Aaron Moy when he sees he's one man of the match. Arnar. Arnar. <laughs> I've got a bony pick with Aaron Moy right enough because, mm. right, yeah, 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 goals, assists, penalties now. Yeah. Keeper bamboozling crosses yeah. that led to, to Jota's amazing goal. We'll, we'll talk about that as well. All that, right? Aye, whatever. But does he ever spare a single thought for guys like us who need to sit here and come up with different ways yeah. to <laughs> talk about how brilliant he's been recently? Does he even think about it at all? Ignorant, really. One Ign- shit game, would that go so far, Aaron, <laughs> so we don't have to come in here every single week and talk, try and find new ways to say the same thing about how brilliant and how much we love you? A revelation, an Aye. absolute revelation. We have had many, many players, and I don't want to point him out to him as if he's like some over-the-hill guy. Like, he was only 31 when he signed for Celtic, no, 36 or anything like that, but on that spectrum, we have had many, uh, it's a vast spectrum, yeah. we have had many players in that bracket who have 
played a bit in England, played at a decent level and then come to Celtic towards the end of their career, right? So if that end of the spectrum, if the lower end of the spectrum is like, I keep saying the word spectrum, but mm. Carlton Cole, right, is down there and okay. Lubo is all the way at the other end mm. of it. Aaron Moy is way, way along <laughs> yes. that end of it, right? And I'm pointing to the Lubo end for, for audio <laughs> listeners. Anyway. He is he is right up there with with our... You know, hidden gem is not quite the right word for it because everybody knew who Aaron Moy mm. was, but a surprise package. Just genuinely one of... Well, in fact, no, he's Celtic's best player since the World Cup. He's Celtic's yeah. best player of the last couple of months anyway. The most influential presence on the pitch. There's really nothing he can't do at the moment, apart from, as we said yeah. last week, the old... Uh, the old patter on the mic. So, mm. uh, but no, it, it's getting to the point now where the midfield was so strong before he came to Celtic. It was so established. And it's now very difficult to picture a Celtic lineup without Adam yeah. Moy in it. It's, it's gone completely the other way where we t- I think it was the St Mirren game was the first time he'd properly, st- maybe not started, but it was the first time we turned up to a game and thought, oh, Aaron Moy's playing today, that's interesting, right? So it's gone from all the way from being surprised to see him in the lineup. See, the first time he doesn't start now, mm. we're going to be like, oh, Aaron no. Moy's not playing today. I mean, do you think that Ange gets enough credit for building the style of team? Because if you look across the sort of style team, there's so many player profiles and characteristics that Celtic fans quite enjoy having in the team that any football fan would have enjoyed the team but Celtic fans the Celtic fans have always liked the sort of tricky winger we've got that in Jota the guy with the trick in him everyone loves the sort of mercurial mad talent that tries crazy things in the yeah. midfield and we've got that in Rio Atati everyone loves a lovable character and we've got and, and who's also happens to be an outstanding striker in Kyogo and everyone loves the sort of cigarette smoking <laughs> reaching the end of his career pings balls from anywhere midfield everyone loves you a bit of break into a rap there no, 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 no. <laughs> everyone there's so many great characters in this Celtic team that there's just so much to enjoy and latch onto yes yeah, it's, it's why when Ange came in and I, I really get tired of this Ange's system and he won't fit Ange's system mm. or whatever because you're like he's a football manager no football manager has a squad of players has an inbuilt team where he goes, this guy that I play here must have this and this and this, and that's the only thing. Because when you look throughout Celtic squad, if you take any position, whether it be right back, Johnston and Ralston, completely different players, but both as effective when they're playing. Same with the centre-halves, Kobayashi and Carter Vickers, different players, but very skilled in what they do. Even the strikers, O and Kyogo, O and Giacomacus and Kyogo, mm. Jota and Maeda, they're all completely different. And Aaron Moy just sums that up. He's different from every midfielder Celtic have got. Celtic have got six options in there, I'd consider, in the midfield. And you could pick any three and go, okay, I'm out. I agree with that mm. today. But with Aaron Moy, we've seen him come in, do brilliant. You think, oh, we can't really imagine him starting. We've done it with Hatate. Cal McGregor gets it. And it wasn't so long ago, Matt O'Reilly, we thought it was going to be the next big thing I still think he will be so Celtic have got a squad of players that are all different but all work in this system because they're all very good players and none more so than Adam Moy I was very sceptical about it I was like "Ah, maybe he's just a sort of stopgap until something but right now you're like ah he is a really class player and he's going to be I think cult hero is harsh because I think it'll be because he's not there for that long whether it's this season and or just this season and next but I think he's going to be loved and really look back and say what a player he was because he plays right now like it's simple to him mm. absolutely simple and you can see what he's going to do 
but nobody can get near them. I love watching it. It's a good point you make as well about the, the makeup of the squad and Ange's system and all that, because if there was any still belief out there that Ange has only got one way of playing, if there's no plan B, the plan A is make, or plan B is make plan A better and all that, then if that was the case, then we've just spent a season or six months of last season with Matt O'Reilly basically playing every single game and now he's been replaced for now, as, as we record this, with Aaron Moy. If it was the case that Ange can only play one way and has a set way of playing, then bringing in Aaron Moy for Matt O'Reilly would be such a compromise of whatever that system yeah. is, then the whole team would effectively fall apart because they're nothing alike at all. They're nothing alike. And Gabriel Hattati, is, again, is nothing like either of those either. So, no, it, it's another nail in the coffin for this belief that Ange is uh, he's like a one-trick pony. Yeah. Ange ball, one-trick pony stuff. It's all complete rubbish. What did you make of the cross? Oh, the cross that mm. Adam Moyes... Oh, brilliant. And I've already described it as goalkeeper bamboozling or however <laughs> I put it a minute ago. And I think that's definitely true because on the, the commentary, Andy Walker, I think, they, they criticised the goalkeeper or they questioned the goalkeeper. Mm. But I think the cross was so good that he didn't really know where to go. He did that thing where he looked as if he was going to try and tip it over the bar. Yeah. But he completely lost his bearings because it almost kind of went... Also almost went between the keeper and the goal, I sort of. I, I, I do... I'm not giving Andy Walker praise here, praise here rather. I kind of do think there was a bit of a confusion in the goalkeeper. I did think, yeah, well, I, well, I think it was not confusion. I think it was laziness from the goalkeeper. If I can be honest, because the difference, the difference between what Jota did and what the goalkeeper did was Jota kept designing the ball the whole time, mm, yeah. whereas I think the goalkeeper just went, "Oh, it's gone over," <laughs> well, and he just sort of he just sort of gave up on it. But that being said, even if he did keep his eye on it, very difficult to intercept it anyway because it was kind of over him too high and then by the time it dropped to Jota Jota just had to nod it in you've just reminded me of a, of something that happened to me when I was in primary school not to me but I, oh, I, I was involved in a game I hope it's not dark <laughs> a, a, a primary school football team where I think we, we beat a team 17-0 right it was mm. ridiculous and one of the goals was a, a rocket from Maybe, I mean, it seemed like a far out. We were only kids, so it's probably about 10 yards, right? But, but, <laughs> like that Gaza goal in the charity <laughs> game, but yeah. your head is a rocket. <laughs> flew into the top corner, and the whole way the keeper kind of went like that, as if he had it covered, as if he was waving it over the top, past the post, flying into the top corner. So I suppose in many ways, that's what that keeper did there. But credit to Jota as well, because a lot of the talk has been on the cross and the goalkeeper making a bit of a, a mess of it. Mm. But see, when you, you watch the goal back, that... Like, the posts from Jota's angle, from his point of view, the posts must have been almost in single file, yeah. one yeah. behind the other, yeah. and he somehow still managed to get the ball between them. I, I don't, I don't really it's know how he finish. did it, to be honest. Kind of reminded, it's nothing like the execution of it. Do you remember Cavani's header? It said that oh, yeah. he sort of bent, it, it, right the keeper, bent yeah. it into the top corner. It was similarly sort of physics-defying mm. to that. So I, I don't know how he did it. Not famed for his, his heading ability, but he absolutely got that pinpoint accurate. I love Jota playing and Larson-esque in it because yeah, yeah. it's a difficult one because he doesn't even get any curve on the header either. He just manages to nod it in and it's simple that the keeper could have been, when the keeper's backtracking like that, you can take your eye off the ball for a split second and see if he'd done that at all. He wouldn't have got the, the opportunity to score. So it's a lovely header just cushioned right into the corner and... Celtic seem to get these goals now at great times. We've seen it all season. If we don't get the early goal, we'll get it before half time. If we don't get that, we'll get it straight after half time. And it kills teams because I remember Andy Walker saying as soon as the second half started, look, Dundee United have defended well, but it's going to be very mm. difficult to keep that up for the whole 90 minutes, the whole concentration and not making a mistake. 
and you show weakness in Celtic pounce. And even then, it was a bit of quality from Celtic that they, they got the breakthrough as well. Because again, Aaron Moy, it's a ball to him. And the defender knows he's going to shield it, yeah. but he's so good at doing yeah, it. Yeah. He just shields <laughs> it in utter slow motion and whips this ball. In. And there's Jota. And it was just what Jota deserved for his performance and Moy as well for a great assist. Uh, sure, you want to do the refs? <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. Right, okay. Da, 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 da. Var. Right, yeah, there we right. go. I'm getting sick of this. Yeah, back, I'm, back in the news again. I have to pay money to the Super Mario Brothers guy <laughs> if we keep using that, that jingle. I mean, there was Willie Collum in the Rangers game. Which we don't need to talk about. Everyone knows about it. Absolutely. Yeah. See, at this point, honestly, honest to God, it is more believable, right, that Willie Collum is the head of some massive Rangers based <laughs> conspiracy to cheat on behalf of yeah. Rangers, right? That to me is more believable and plausible now than the fact that someone so inept has been gainfully employed as a referee for 10 years. Yeah. That, it's not possible. It's unfeasible, isn't it? It's like, <laughs> if you were doing any job in the world, if we were sitting here and we were podcasters and we forgot to plug the microphones in, if you're a bus driver and you miss stops, if you were an air traffic controller and planes smashed into each other, <laughs> thousands of lives on a regular basis. Every week, every, every single, single week, week. Sitting, oh no, again. John, he's like that with the headset. I, I know, I know, I missed, I, I missed, I, I, Jesus, they're so small on this screen, I can't. <laughs> It's scuffed it's my case. All we're asking for is consistency. Yeah. That, that was three planes this time. It's just unbelievable me that he's he's remained in employment, yeah. being that, that bad at his job, because it's not true. But in the Celtic game, we had Don Robertson, and he's another one, maybe not as bad as Willie Collum, but Don Robertson, and we've said this in the podcast before, and you can search our Twitter feed or just Google Don Robertson. Every single game, every week almost, the complaints about Don Robertson is that he lets wild challenges go. <laughs> yeah. That's his thing. He just lets mental challenges go. So he's a right good football man. Or he's half asleep. He's thinking about what he's having for his dinner. He's afraid to make a decision or something. Um, There was the big one, the big discussion, the big talking point. I suppose we had the handball, which led to the penalty. And we had the the Kyogo fill. The Kyogo fill that was. So Stephen Company, you first. The handball led to the penalty. Right. So the the penalty, that, that handball was... The most ridiculously blatant handball you'll mm. ever see. Now, right. I, I have said very recently that very rarely do you get that. Very rarely do you get a handball that is so blatant we, we just, uh, that they just yeah. basically just pass the ball a, was, in mid You know what? It was comforting yeah. to see <laughs> such a blatant handball because it was none of this body shapes or biomechanics yeah. or hand at the way. It's just, thanks, mate. I appreciate it's, it. And see as part of VAR, right? See when the ref's standing there with his wee monitor and mm. he's over making his wee hand gestures and all that. Can part of the VAR replays be the guy who perpetrated the foul's face? Because that, <laughs> yeah. that's a big clue. He's sitting there looking as guilty as sin after that. He puts his hand behind his back <laughs> as if, oh no, no, it was there the whole time. A, a ridiculous thing. Yeah, obviously, that's a case where VAR has worked. But why did he miss it in the first place? It was an... A, a, it was right in front of him, an obscene handball. If anything, I don't know how he, I don't know how it's possible to miss that because uh, Stephen, uh, who was it we had earlier in the season at Hearts? Uh, what was the guy's name? That oh, done? Smith, uh, Michael yeah. Smith. Uh, this was worse, and he shoved his arm <laughs> right behind his back after he done it. Still, uh, it was Willie. Was it Willie Collin that missed that one? Potentially. <laughs> no, I gave Kevin Clancy last week. I think it was. I gave him credit, mm. well, not credit, but I gave him the benefit of the doubt for. You know, I speculated that maybe it was just a case of right. See if your hand is in a certain position. Maybe he's forced to give that. Maybe he's mm. he's kind of running through the the rules in his head and thinking right. Oh, I need to give that because if I don't give it, maybe questions will be asked on why I didn't give it. 
So why then are the refs missing the fact that it's the, the hands in the same position? You say you're giving Kevin Clancy credit last week, but it's got to the point now with these refs that were saying, "Well done, you didn't shit yourself. <laughs> well done, you didn't you didn't forget your boots." I mean, that's the, that's where we're at. You know, it's like the referee turned yeah. up without his uniform on, and he's going to have to don't know referee the game in a sort of old PE kit out the back. Right. You know, odd socks and stuff. Like, ever, ever seen that clip? Remember, there was I think it was quite recently where a, a ref gave a card, but he didn't have his card, so he just did the gesture. No. <laughs> just, just did an empty <laughs> hand. But this is like where we're going with this and you're yeah. like well, did I miss it and then so you say right okay you missed it right okay that's what VAR was for and the correct decision was reached in the end right why was the guy not booked oh yeah I forgot about that actually yeah because oh, he'd already been booked there yep. was a, yep. an incident actually quite lucky with that I thought because Greg Taylor miscontrolled the ball mm. and the guy just came in and fouled him for absolutely no reason and got the booking for it so we kind of got lucky with that because Greg Taylor mm. had given the ball away but I remember noting that at the time that a guy's booked and now yeah. he's deliberately handballed it in the box. So is it because can you? I mean, presumably you can issue a yellow card off a VAR check. Presumably, if because he caught him in the act. Yeah. So I so that was the one for me. So great, okay, you missed it. VAR kicks in, comes to the right decision. You still had another job to do, <laughs> and it was to book the guy and send them off. And it and it never yeah. happened. No, melee handball. Oh, I definitely. And it's like done. Come and have a look at this one and see what you've missed here. Like, I mean, come on, mate. Well, I think. Do you think that's the the attitude? The guy. In the, maybe that. Maybe it's too cooperative. Maybe it's like, okay, Don, uh, we've got something. I think you should look at <laughs> if you want to head over to the the var check. It shouldn't be that. Be don't get your <laughs> ass over there. <laughs> Quick, <laughs> you can beep that out, Stephen. <laughs> You're gonna get your ass over there and get another look at this because you have missed this. You know, I think it's maybe too pally pally. Oh, it probably is. To be honest, and it, it was a shocker that he missed it. The yellow card, it should have been a ha yellow card. I'm still not so sure on the other one. Um, the, the Kyogo? The Kyogo yeah, yeah. one just coming up towards half time. When you've seen him cleaning out Kyogo, you're like, ah, that looks pretty bad. Then when you see the keeper get something on it, but I'm kind of torn because I hate this. The keeper's got a right to protect himself. Mm. Nonsense. Like, no, he's got a right to go for the ball the same as the striker does. He doesn't have a right to do the Al McGregor knee up to the face or kick out. He doesn't have the right to do that. But again, if... I mean, you spoke about it on the match reaction, Jamie. Mm. If that happens in the middle of the park where Cameron Carter-Vickers goes for a header, wins it cleanly, but comes through the back of somebody, he's going to get a foul mm. given yeah. against them. Yet when it happens with a goalkeeper, it's... Mm, but he does get a, a fist on it, but it's, he doesn't that, get it cleanly so and it takes out Kyogo. But I'm not, I don't think I'm having the, the defender pushed him. I, I, it's just a shoulder to shoulder. Sort so of so I have, I've thought about this since we, we did record the, the, the match reaction podcast. And I, I just can't help but think, I, and okay, so in the past, I've never seen a, a penalty given for that, where the keeper sort mm. of clears the player out as he comes to punch it, right? It's kind of. One of these things that's kind of accepted in the culture of the game, yeah. that that's kind of the keeper's area. And if you're going to challenge for it, then you're probably going to get whacked by a goalkeeper flying out, right? But it, it, he still took the player out. Yeah. And if that's a defender, and now I don't, look, I don't think it was ever going to be a award. There's a pen in a million years, but I just think it's something we should look at going forward. Because we've seen plenty of times we've seen tackles where defenders got the ball, but he's also completely wiped out the attacker in the box. And it's like, we well, can't do that. You can't take the guy out of the game completely. And that's kind of what happened to Kyogo. Yeah, the, the thing is, as, as much as we, it's unwritten, the geography of the pitch does matter. Rules are mm. refereed differently depending on where the pitch is. For example, see when you're, see when a, a pass is over hit and the defender is ushering it out of the pitch for about 10 yards, holding the guy mm. off, making no attempt to play the ball you can't do that anywhere else in the pitch yeah, but, you, but you can just sort of usher it out mm. just holding them off just to basically obstructing that's fine 
but if you did that in the centre circle, we thought, <laughs> what are you doing? But it's like, so it, I know that's a silly example, but the, the fact is, the where things happen in the pitch, it is part of, as you put it there, Jamie, the, the sort of culture of the game, mm. the, the sort of unspoken rules um, do, do make a difference. I wasn't that bothered about it. I, I, I did see the case to make it a penalty, but also just wasn't really that bothered. I, I was surprised when they didn't give it. Um, but the the various things that were going on, I think all three people involved, the goalkeeper, the defender and Kyogo, all just went for the ball and all just sort of clashed. Now, the keeper was largely responsible for that, but I, I saw the case being made that uh, the defender pushed him. But then I'm trying to not be a hypocrite about that because the, we people say, claimed it was never a penalty when Jackie Marcus did that against Kilmarnock yeah. a few weeks ago, mm. we, we all sat here and said it was a penalty um, when he bundled them over. But the same people who say, oh, that was never a penalty are also screaming for the one for Kyogo. A very, very similar incident. Aye, I, I think that the penalty shout for Kyogo was soft, but having, have, having so much focus on this and so much glare, it did make me think about several times that I've seen a defender as I say, win the ball in the box, clear the player out and the ref going, but you can't really do that, you know, regardless, yeah, of, yeah. Win, regardless of winning the ball. Um, it's demoralising, not just for Dundee United, I think, in, the, in these games. It must be demoralising for Rangers as well. Just insofar as, moving away from the referees, Celtic pick up another three points and we are kind of approaching running out of games to catch up territory, aren't we, Stephen? The home straight. Yeah. yeah. What yeah. have we got left? Is that 15, 15, 15 games? Odd games oh, yeah. it's a really quick season. Yeah, yeah, it's like really, really quick. quick. Uh, I think it might have been the World Cup, the weird kind of World Cup weirdness right in the middle of the season. So it feels like we've still got loads of the season to go, but 15 games. Yeah, Celtic are doing their job. Celtic are doing their job. And some it was something I'd, I'd thought about like quite recently when we won a game, but we're, we're sitting kind of like scrutinising the, the mm. level of performance. Why does Celtic are just turning up and winning games, just winning games and, and very, very comfortably, it has to be yeah. said as well. So Rangers, yeah, Beal's over there talking about how inherited the gap and all that but you know let's look at that the reason you are in the job is because you, they wanted yep. they, they literally employed someone to fix that gap <laughs> or else they, if they were happy with the gap they would have just stuck with you yes. Van Bronckhorst right, yep. so I would probably shut up about the gap if I were if I were Ick Beal but <laughs> everything that comes out of that guy's mouth is waffle it's, ah, yeah, uh, yeah. it's just waffle now Cockney twaddle yes A <laughs> <laughs> <Hey> up governor <laughs> no, that's a terrible 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 <laughs> thing and I was going to go at Cockney street urchin there and backed out before I could um, yeah I mean he, he had to rescind his comment about uh, Hearts maybe they said like Aberdeen are the best team <laughs> and then yeah. within that they get battered off Hearts battered off Darville Darville and battered off him so he had to rescind that comment yeah. again and I can see he'll probably have to stop saying this thing about the gap yeah, and stop talking about how lucky yeah. each each manager is and isn't and all that. So it is just it's waffle from the guy. I'm I'm not I'm not particularly impressed with him. And yeah, Celtic, as you say, games are running out now. Whatever Rangers are doing, again to give them the the grudging credit, they're winning games as well. But they simply can't do anything about the Celtic juggernaut that from this season. Still only having dropped game uh, joint points rather in two games this season with 15 to go. It's extraordinary form. Uh, manager waffle. So David Martindale's decided that he <laughs> doesn't. Favorite. Yeah, he's decided that he doesn't want to just leave that to Michael Beale. He wants a little bit of this. What was his quote, Stephen, about uh, Celtic and like something well, about pound for pound yeah, or something? Something along the lines of, and you know, I'm not, I'm not quoting directly here, mm -hmm. but if the if the Premiership was, if the table was done on points per pound spent, then yeah. Livingston 
would win <laughs> the league. Yeah, well, do you know what? Even Scotland were awfully fond of handing out fake trophies, didn't we? Oh, we yeah, absolutely yeah. love it. Remember, there was the Stephen Gerrard in his 80th minute or whatever it was. Yeah. If the game stopped on oh, 80 something minutes, they'd be, they'd be top of the league or whatever it was. Or there's another one as well about when a manager starts, or see if the season had started when this manager started, then they'd be somewhere else on the table. We love all this absolute mm. pish, don't we? Dave, I'm getting a bit bored of David Martindale's yeah. shtick. I'm just a wee uh, football manager. Ah, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> I'm just a wee guy out there trying to stick out cones and win games. You know, that's, that don't bother me. But Some really spot on characters. Yeah, being brilliant. <laughs> to, to, to be fair, though, to David Martindale's Livingston, maybe not the manager himself, but I suppose you have to be. We can be the bigger people on this. Um, the fourth with a game in hand yeah. over Hibs, it's, it's quite remarkable. It's, it's damning for the league, I think, mm. because Aberdeen... Incidentally, did say his ambition this season was to finish 10th. Right. Come, on, come <laughs> off it. Nobody's <laughs> uh, buying this Martindale. But no, anyway, carry on. It, 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 my ambition for this episode is one download. Yeah, 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 one. Yeah. <laughs> we'll just be podcasters that, don't we? You know? yeah, like he's very, very effective. His team are very effective in what they do, but brutal to watch, aren't they? And I just I can't go at all. I'm really... I said this to you, Jamie, I'm really worried about this league right now because yeah. there's Jim Goodwin, another guy lost his job. Hibs absolutely scalped him and I don't think Hibs are any great shakes. No, I don't no. think their manager will be there much longer. And you look to the league and it's no right now, but going forward for next season, look, Rangers have improved since Bill came mm. in. But where are teams going to take points off Celtic and Rangers next yeah. season? Because they're all dreadful, look, really, really bad. And for... Martindale's Livingston he beat Ange in the first game but Celtic were in disarray then and then was it a point against Rangers I think as well for a guy that goes on so much about I'm no good at this job and whatever he talks about like go and do something about it go and take points off teams don't sit in and do it but he's going to do that on Wednesday hopefully I don't have egg on my face when Celtic come up against him because I really want Celtic to destroy his team yeah. absolutely pump them at a I don't like his managerial style it's just me and it's easy for me to say supporting Celtic but that's not why you'd get into football for no. me so go out and play some but we don't have many teams in this country to do it this league is in a bit of a terrible state though Stephen isn't it I think everyone outside the top three doesn't have a positive goal difference there's like <laughs> 10 team. Yeah. there's 10 points separate the bottom team and the fourth team there's just I mean begrudging his arm uh, for this to come across like credit in any way for Robbie Nielsen and Hearts like outside Celtic and Rangers it's Hearts and everyone else is miserable miserable managers no players really making any waves and that's not being dismissive we watch Celtic obviously every week against these teams we keep an eye on the league we rewatch the games it's not like we're being completely dismissive about the rest of the league but this is in terms of managerial talent playing talent the teams outside the, the 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 top three that are teams have a bit of style. Like, teams, what, what, what 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 would you say? Like I can't name a manager going. This is how he plays. That yeah. you'd maybe think like like John Hughes was at Inverness, and you could say they play football. At least look, they get themselves in trouble sometimes because they don't quite have the players to do it. But you're never going to have that Inverness. Instead, he stuck to his guns and played football and came away with a couple of trophies. Nobody else is doing that. And it's a bit like a sort of elephant's graveyard for managers, isn't it? It's like all these managers that just probably wouldn't get employed elsewhere. There's no managers making waves in Scotland at the moment, really, that are linked with any of their jobs elsewhere. And there's this whole world of talent out there. And Celtic went to Australia and got Ange Postacoglu. That presumably, I mean, just sort of branching off a wee bit when you're looking at Aberdeen about to point their next manager, maybe Hibs. 
surely teams can take a bit more inspiration for what's happening at the top of the table here and be a bit more imaginative in their recruitment and a bit more imaginative when it comes to managers? Well, I think there's uh, there's deeper problems in that in this country that just basically prevent that because I, I sat and listened to Sports Sound's oh, reaction well, to Jim Goodwin's sacking, right? And yeah, Jim Goodwin should have been sacked you know, before it got to that stage as well. They were just kicking the can down the road. But I listened to the reaction to them getting absolutely gubbed off Hibs and the, well, bear in mind this is a BBC, so it's it's the it's the national broadcaster, the the flagship football mm. podcast for this country. So the, it's the you know highest ranking Scottish football podcast. Do you know who the highest ranking independent one is though? Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> we winked to camera there, but um, in, ter in terms of chart placing, uh, but I, I listened to that and it's full of guys or wringing their hands about too many foreign players and people who don't understand what the club is all about. They don't get Scottish football, all this stuff. There was people on there criticising the attempt to create a player trading model. No, what you should do, you shouldn't buy players in order to sell them. What you should do is keep them for five, eight, ten years. <laughs> it's, it's people who are stuck in the 80s, right? And I'm not saying that, that that's indicative of the whole of Scottish football, but that's, again, that's the BBC on, and they're on there talking about how they want basically Scottish football to be back when it... Like, it's in like culture again. 1983. Yeah. Aye, so I think what probably needs done in Scottish football is to... Maybe introduce a little. I mean, look, look how Celtic are doing. Ranch post the goggle. Look, look, uh, look how they. Even like you rewind the clock back a wee bit and you look at like Hibs under Sean Maloney. Now I can't distinctly remember Sean Maloney's tenure at Hibs, and I can't remember how bad or good he was. Right, but yeah, that, didn't last long. Really, he didn't then. last yeah. long. But that doesn't defeat my point. I doubt very much they would be in a much worse position with Sean Maloney than no. they are with a new guy. No. And Sean Maloney's a young, up and coming manager. He's just got a job at Wigan there as, as their first team coach. That showed a bit of like. Interest and characteristic from from Hibs looking to appoint somebody. Jim Goodwin, young, young up and coming manager, but he was still that like distinctly Scottish manager who just yeah. done okay with a Scottish yeah. team. You know the 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 front runners for the Aberdeen job. The now are like Paul Lambert. And you're thinking, that, I mean, we, we, yeah. we, we, I mean, no yeah. offense to Paul Lambert, Celtic legend at one point, a good manager, but is it, is that just a is that just gain up? Give it Lenny to end the season. Come <laughs> they on. Could, say to be honest, they could do a lot worse than Neil. See if you're going to go down the route. See if you're going to go down the route of a Paul Lambert. You might as well get Neil Lennon because Neil aye. Lennon would do a lot better You'd than Paul it, Lambert. I, I love them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought they could. I mean, the, the, even the idea of Aberdeen going out and picking, let, let's say for example, a Dutch coach or mm. sort of German or something that would be ridiculed for day one. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Look at Hans Postecoglou, the manager of Celtic. Absolutely yeah. pilloried. Who's, who was his replacement? They could do a lot worse than Kevin Musket. Kevin Musket, so, yeah. I, I don't know if he would come because they're quite a big team over there. But it's, as you say, or as we're, as we're saying, give us, as, as stakeholders in the league, give us something here. <laughs> I know. Uh, weirdly I almost I thought about Kevin Musket earlier just that it has nothing to do with management but see when you were talking about how you can't do that in the box if yeah. that was anywhere else in the pitch all of a sudden while you were talking I thought of the time Kevin Musket I'm sure got sent off for being a defender in his own box or conceded a penalty for being a defender in his own box and he stamped on the guy that was lying <laughs> at his feet <laughs> he was in control of the ball and he chose to stamp on the guy that was lying down conceded a penalty for it you know what's going to happen after us don't we after we've ridiculed the league and ridiculed Martindale and all that and we're never going to drop points and we're, <laughs> we're, we're going to jinx it for tomorrow yeah. see on, on up Martindale before just to close this off as well I've mm. not got a problem with him pointing to the budget right the, the constraints that he's working under because see to be honest as, as distasteful as we find his chat about football and the, the style of football he is doing a remarkable job 
job Aye. with with the budget and yeah. the, the resources at hand. Where my problem is, is that on the eve of playing against Celtic, saying that we are the you know, points per pounds champions of the, of the country, is that it heavily implies that he is doing a better management job than anyone else in the yeah. country, including Ange Postecoglou. And it is yet another dig at this, oh, but they just spend loads of money, so that's why they, they win games. It's pish, and I'm I'm f- frankly tired of it. To be that's honest, an, I'm convinced that's the next battleground. I don't think it's any accident that Michael Beale started to comment on yeah. how much money Celtic have got. David Martin Dale's comment on how much money Celtic have got. That'll be the next thing when we eventually, if we win the league, it'll be oh, they, well, they bought their way at the league and all this, <laughs> all, all this sorts of carry on. Um, seems like a good place to wrap up, though. Thank you so much for watching. Thanks to everyone who listens. Thanks to everyone who subscribes. Support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash 20 minute time. You can get extra content from us eh, or leave a comment or retweet us. Many ways you can help us. We'll see you next week. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.